to Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media, where we help make families the best they can be. We're pleased to be joined by marriage counsellor and family expert Derek Boylan for what we are calling the Focus Sessions, aimed at helping families with relationship issues. Together with Derek, over a number of these sessions, we will explore the most pressing issues facing families today. We hope you enjoy and find this series valuable. Nice to be back uh, with Derek Boylan for another focus session. Uh, Derek, relationships can be problematic and messy, uh, as we've discussed in some of the previous sessions. Uh, some marriages end after a very short time. Others survive 30 or 40 years before, unfortunately, they come to an end. Why do you think that that's the case? Yeah, I agree, David. I think marriages are really, um, you know, I, I think every marriage is just is messy. You know, we know that uh, about 40% of all marriages that occur in Australia today um, will end in divorce. And, uh, and you know, certainly the highest uh, period at which that happens is in the very first five years. So we know that about 50% of those divorces will occur in the, in the first five years of marriage. But then I also see lots and lots of couples in about the 20 to 25 bracket as well, often when their youngest child is leaving high school and, uh, and things have sort of changed over the years, they haven't really sort of connected with one another. And and it's really difficult for them to sort of rediscover who they are at that new sort of stage. And so I think, you know, every marriage, every relationship is, couple relationship is, you know, it gets messy at different stages. And, uh, and certainly in the research that I've been doing down at Notre Dame with couples who've been married for 50, 55 more years, you know, all of them, every single couple talks about how difficult the first 25, 30 years of marriage was, you know, the challenges of you know, connecting, of paying their mortgage, of parenting their children and, you know, working out how to communicate and pressures from work. And, you know, I, I just think every relationship is, it's difficult. You know, it's two people trying to work out how to live with one another in the most intimate, grittiest, gutsiest sort of relationship that there is, which is a, a couple relationship. Yeah, it is interesting that uh, we, we do know about pressures with children and so forth, and we've all gone through that. But it, it does strike me as unusual sometimes that when couples get through all of that and they get to the 25, 30 or even 35-year mark, they don't have those pressures anymore, but it, it comes to an end. Perhaps it's because they've uh, just grown apart. Yeah, I, I really feel for those couples, especially in the light of um, the research that I'm doing at Notre Dame, as I mentioned, because you know all of the couples talk about the first 25 years and the struggle of it, but but all the couples that I, I work with in our interview are, have been married for fifty five or more years, and then they talk about the next twenty five years, and it's just extraordinary. You know, they really rediscovered one another, and at a time when they had, you know, less less responsibilities with parenting, they were more financially stable, and they just talk about just a wonderful time. And I often sort of think I really feel for those couples who, you know, because of the struggles, sort of you know decide that. For whatever reason, it's best for their relationship to end it, and I and I wonder what they might have discovered if they'd been able to work at it instead and uh, and work to heal some of those past hurts and to see what's to be discovered on the other side of that. I really do, uh, I really do feel for them because those couples that have been married for very long periods of time, they talk about how tough the first twenty five years was, but they also talk just about how amazing that the next twenty five were. Yeah, and it's like they sort of come up against a brick wall and they can't see over that brick wall. It just seems so like a an immovable object. Yeah, they just sort of feel that they they've sort of fallen out of love, and there's no way to sort of regain it. And yet, uh, and yet, the research shows that actually we probably know more than ever before about how to 
help couples rediscover romance, rediscover affection, rediscover connection and emotional intimacy. Um, you know, we know more about that than ever before. And I just, I always feel for couples, I think, just just ask for the help, reach out, you know, because there's uh, there are pathways forward. Yeah, no, exactly. Good point. So apart from some of the things you've talked about already, uh, like pressures of children, mortgage or financial stresses, what, what other pressures do couples face, whether it be in their first five, 10 years or 25 years onwards? Yeah, I think in the very first five years, we know pretty well the things that couples tend to argue about most in the first five years of marriage. And they are things like um, uh, time and how we manage our time. You know, that's, I guess it's, uh, you know, we've, we've talked in the past a little bit about work-life balance and, uh, and it's, I guess it's about that. And it's also how they find time as a couple to talk about things that are important, how they find time to manage their home, chores, jobs that need doing around the house. You know, time spent with, you know, uh, other people, extended family and people that they care about. Um, you know, I mean, there's just a, a lot there for couples to work out. And, and it's constantly being renegotiated, you know, because that the time demands when you have a toddler are different from having a teenager, which is different from, you know, in retirement. Uh, so it's a constant sort of conversation and renegotiation. There's financial stresses, as you, as you mentioned. <clears throat> extended family um, puts a lot of pressure. But I think the two, probably the two biggest um, pressures that couples face. I think one is working out how to become one body as a couple. You know, it's it's two people, yeah. um, but it's one relationship, and they come with their own unique hopes and dreams and goals and extended families and and all those sorts of things. And how do we work out what uh, what becoming one body sort of looks like as a couple? You know, with uh, with all those different uh, aspects to sort of be negotiated. And then I guess the other really big pressure for couples these days is work. Yeah, you know, it's. Yeah. Uh, it's essential for marriage and family life, for couple life. It's, uh, you know, it pays the bills, it pays our mortgages, it puts clothes on our backs and food on our table. But also we know that too much work can be damaging for a relationship as well, you know, in terms of the amount of pressure and stress and the anxiety that we bring home, uh, you know, in the evenings to our family life. And so working out the, the balance between what's a healthy work life and uh, and that meets the needs of our, our family and uh, and at what point does maybe the demands of work actually detracting from our family life instead of enhancing our family life. But there's, uh, there's plenty of pressures there. Uh, well, there are, and I guess there always have been plenty of pressures. But uh, do you think the demands on relationships today are different than, say, 50 years ago? Yeah, I definitely think that they're different. I think that there's been a, a huge change in the last 50 years on so many different levels. And in a way, some of the struggles that couples are uh, trying to work through have never been experienced before in history. You know, like the, these are brand new struggles. Um, you know, I, I guess, I mean, some of the, the obvious changes are things like dual income families. And so couples trying to do all the normal things that they need to, to maintain a home, but, uh, but with both people working uh, at the same time can put a lot of pressure on families and couples. Uh, the prevalence of contraception, you know, has changed the way that uh, couples experience intimacy and expectations around intimacy in our in couple relationships um the age at which couples get married has uh has become later uh, than right. uh, than 50 years ago and so people uh have certain different expectations you know they know themselves better and uh and they're not sort of discovering who they are within the relationship as they go along but they've sort of discovered a lot of who they are and now they're trying to negotiate well, what what's going to be changed and what's going to be different going forward um, and they're often more financially stable and those sorts of things before they enter marriage. So they're, they're bringing not just their own, I guess, personalities and attitudes, but a lot of other resources as well to the relationship. 
And right. of course, you know, our, our family and divorce laws have changed, you know, possibilities there. But social media, I think, is probably one of the, the most recent biggest influences uh, on couple relationships. Uh, you know, just the prevalence of, of smartphones and Facebook and I think nowadays it's TikTok and all of those sorts of things uh, really have changed the face of, in terms of ways couples communicate, but also the kinds of distractions that are in their homes and in their relationships when they're trying to just maintain their relationship. I guess, you know, as counsellors, we sort of categorise most of these things into um, vertical stresses and horizontal stresses that affect couple relationships. And, uh, and there's these stresses that really uh, and the combination of these stresses that really impact couple relationships and their level of happiness. Okay. Yeah, I, it was a bit like love languages and love maps, which we discussed uh, in previous sessions I've never heard of. And I've got to confess, horizontal and vertical stresses, that's a new one on me as well. Uh, can you explain those a little bit more? Yeah. So so horizontal stresses are things that I guess, in a sense, we recognise as being pretty normal stresses in a couple relationship. That every couple are going to go through there. If you think about horizontal in terms of the, the timeline of a couple's life, that there is going to be things, stresses in their life that are actually pretty normal and pretty predictable. That doesn't necessarily make them easy. You know, like just knowing yeah, that they're yeah. going to be there doesn't make it easier to, sure, to, to deal yeah. with them. But but they're things like, you know, transitioning to living together and building a home together, uh, you know, welcoming children into their, their family and dealing with, you know, um, newborn and then dealing with toddlers and children and teenagers and those sorts of things, the loss of parents, um, you know, in their lives and managing the grief and loss within their relationship that goes with the loss of a, a parent, loved ones, um, you know, working towards retirement. I mean, these are all things that bring new stress into a relationship. They are, they're predictable. Yeah. Then you also get vertical stresses and vertical stresses are sort of things that sort of come in from above in a way uh, that create stress in the relationship that are not necessarily to be expected, you know, the unexpected loss of a job, you know, um, and suddenly impact a family that, uh, that were otherwise ordinarily maybe functioning fairly well. Something like a, a global pandemic like COVID-19. It's yeah. something that yeah. suddenly changes, um, you know, government laws and legislation that, uh, you know, changes to, you know, tax and those sorts of things can suddenly affect a couple relationship. Having a, an unplanned pregnancy or uh, or struggling to conceive a child if a couple really want to have a, a baby or the loss of a child. Um, you know, these are things that aren't necessarily expected, but that suddenly come in to the relationship and can make things really difficult. And, uh, and it's when these things often happen together that it becomes the hardest for a couple relationship when there are normal horizontal stresses that they're trying to manage and then suddenly vertical stresses come in and it just creates, a, I guess, in a way, a perfect storm for the couple relationship that they're now trying to work out how to how to manage. Yeah, exactly. And as you, I mean, if something comes up uh, unexpectedly, like the pandemic, which we're going through at the moment, um, and a lot of people have unfortunately lost their jobs, uh, that would put untold stress on a family situation, especially if there's only one uh, income uh, person, you know, in the family. That's right. Yeah, huge amount of stress, definitely. Mm. So how do couples deal with these stresses? I know that's a very broad question, uh, and you, you've mentioned job losses and other things, but is, does it get back to counselling as well? Look, counselling can definitely help. I think for most couples, you know, if they're really struggling to work through an issue on their own, um, then, you know, asking for help is, is important. I think, you know, I'm not a plumber, I'm not a doctor. When Karen and I are struggling with those issues, we get professionals to come and help. 
and yeah. uh, and I think you know, and, and the same is true for our relationships. I think all of us have a longing to have a really healthy, strong relationship, but we don't always have the skills and the knowledge to know how to to get there. And so sometimes that can help can make a big difference. But also just encouraging, I guess, couples to talk about the things that they need. I mean, with the horizontal stresses, you know, they are sort of predictable, and there's a lot of wisdom in our culture about how to manage those things, whether it's child behaviour or you know, setting a budget for your finances. Um, you know, we, we expect that those are going to be challenges for couples. And uh, and there are plenty of books, there's plenty of resources, websites um, with useful information about how to, to handle and how to deal with those kinds of stresses and, and, and looking for them, you know, looking for the practical help and, and wisdom that's going to give them some guidance around those sure. things. As yep. well as older couples, you know, other married couples that they know, who uh, have been through that themselves and just sort of saying, what did you do? How did you cope? How did you manage those challenges? Can definitely give you some new perspectives and ideas. Okay. The vertical stresses are more tricky because they're unexpected and sometimes there is no, uh, or it's very hard to access. What do, what do you do when a global pandemic happens? Like, you know, there's no prior life experience. No one in this generation has had no. that before in their lives. And uh, Or, you know, say, for instance, the, the loss of a child. You know, it's only a very small number of, uh, couples who may have experienced that very personally. And so sometimes it's hard to know how to access uh, support around those things. And I think the first thing for a couple to do is to to talk to one another about the, what, what they're experiencing and to, I guess, reach out to one another in support. You know, we, we know inside that we're feeling we're struggling, we're feeling overwhelmed. And to know that, you know what, my spouse, my partner is probably experiencing exactly the same feelings and that we need to sort of connect and reach out with a view to you know what this is tough this is yeah. really hard you know and uh, yeah. and somehow we're being called as a team to work out how to how to manage this how to to work through this and uh and you know if we know that our that our partner's our our you know our teammate instead of our adversary that makes a huge mm. uh, start in the right direction from the beginning yeah no good point you're on the same team you're not my adversary so uh, let's get our act together but unfortunately, Derek, even if couples do have counselling, it won't always resolve the underlying problems. Uh, people need to be kind to themselves. What steps can they take to ensure their mental health is supported? And I, it's a very important. We, a lot of that's come up this year with the pandemic too, of course, about mental health. Yes, that's right. It's, um, you know, a couple of relationships and the stresses that couples deal with that are really tough it create a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress. And, uh, and uh, there's some great wisdom, I think, from... George Daub, who was a psychologist in the US many years ago, did a lot of work with couples and families. And, you know, and he often sort of said that, that a, a relationship, a couple relationship is only as strong as the weakest person in the relationship. Yeah. And uh, recognizing that, you know, if I'm really struggling with my own sort of stress and anxiety, I'm less of the person that I long to be in this relationship. I guess it's that kind of that, that, that a chain is only as, as strong as the weakest link, you know, and so yes. I need to be working on those things myself. I guess what helps, there's a few things. There's, uh, there's some therapeutic factors that we know universally help for every person when it comes to managing anxiety and stress. And I guess the first is exercise. Mm. You know, anxiety and stress produces a lot of uh, hormones, adrenaline, cortisol, those sorts of things. And, and all of those hormones are designed to get us moving, to do something. And, uh, and when we don't, uh, you know, it, uh, they wreak havoc in our system. So even if it's just going for a walk or bit of a jog or doing something active can help with those things. Sleep is really important and maintaining a, a healthy diet. Social relationships, so reaching out to people who support us, who care about us, 
um, who uh, want what's best for us, you know, and just be, people who we can just talk about what's going on and, and, uh, and get support from them is important to have in our lives. And things like prayer, uh, yeah. mindfulness, meditation can be a real source of comfort for people. But I guess okay. when it comes to anxiety, one of the things I sometimes think about, David, when it comes to anxiety is that, you know, when we feel anxious, what happens is that it's like the temperature inside of us goes up, right? Our heart rate sort of goes up. We feel, you know, more uh, stressed, worried, and we, you know, we hyperthink about, overthink about think for different things. And I think of it sometimes like a house, right? If you have a house and, uh, and the temperature starts to go up inside of the house, there's two ways to bring the temperature back down again. One is that you turn the, the air conditioner on in the house mm. and that pumps cool air into the house and the house cools down. But there's another way to cool down a house and that is that you surround the house by lots and lots of air conditioners and they all turn them on all at the same time and they all blow cool air onto the, the house and over time that will also reduce the temperature of the house. And I think sometimes in our couple relationships when we're struggling with anxiety, when we're feeling anxious, it's like the temperature goes up inside of me and what I do is instead of actually sort of going, all right, hang on a minute, I feel a bit stressed here. Maybe I need to do something to just calm down a bit to be able to be who I want to be in this relationship and in my relationship with my children. Instead, what we do is we try to manage everything that's going on outside of us. You know, we try to get all our ducks in the row and get everything sort of sorted out. And it's kind of like surrounding the house with air conditioners to try and bring the temperature down of what's going on inside of me. Yeah. And, uh, and I think just learning to develop those skills of maybe leaning into prayer and just sort of saying, God, I'm really mm. struggling here. I need a bit of help, you know. Uh, maybe mm. it might be just mindfulness uh, skills and practices or um, reaching out to people that we care about and just saying, oh, I'm feeling really stressed right now. I feel a bit overwhelmed. You know, those are much better strategies for reducing those feelings of stress and anxiety uh, inside sure. of us, just reaching out to people, and seeking to just comfort the bit inside that's, that's feeling anxious instead of trying to control everyone around you, which just makes them feel more resentful and then you feel more stressed because they're not responding the way that you need them to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Uh, now, look, when relationships do break down, unfortunately, sometimes uh, when couples do have children, uh, they're a very important part of the equation, of course, and their welfare has to be considered. Um, any suggestions there? Yeah, absolutely. It's always important to consider the welfare of children. You know, um, young minds are, um, you know, impressionable and they um, and and uh, and can be easily sort of affected, and they can affect their affect their future relationships as well. So we really need to make sure that we keep in mind the welfare of, of our children uh, and how we are in front of our children. You know, when when it's okay to argue in front of our children and when it's not. You know, sometimes I will hear people say to me, "Oh, we never argue in front of the children." And I'm not sure that that's healthy either. You know, certainly no. if the, the, the topic that we're talking about isn't suitable for our children, well, we shouldn't have that conversation in front of them. If the argument that we're having is becoming toxic uh, or hurtful, then we probably shouldn't be having that conversation uh, in front of our children. However, you know, just like our happiness, our greatest happiness in life depends on the relationships that are the most important to us now. The same will be true for our children when they grow up. That the happiness of their future relationships is going to uh, of their of their future is going to depend on their relationships with their future partners and children. And so, you know, it's actually important for them to learn within our families the skills for working through difficult issues. 
you know, I think while we have to be careful and mindful about what we're sort of discussing in front of our children when we're dealing with difficult things, sure, it's not helpful to not for them not to see every conversation that we have that's difficult. You know, it's actually good for our children to see us sometimes talk about tough things that we don't necessarily agree on, that we're trying to work out the best decision to make going forward. And it's also really important for them to see how we repair those relationships. You know, that when we have a bit of an argument and we sort of, you know, stop talking to one another for half an hour, how do we come back and sort of say, look, I'm really sorry, I probably got too irritable with you and can we talk about this again? You know, so that our children can see how in a loving relationship do we work through something that is difficult and come to a resolution in a way that's respectful and that respects the dignity of, of everyone involved. So I think it's it's a tough one with children knowing how much or how little to um, that they should be you know, around those difficult conversations, but it's not always necessarily a bad thing. It can be a helpful thing as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And oh, it's not me saying this. I've heard a lot of people say it over the past years, but uh, school prepares you for a lot of things. But I sometimes think having a subject on life skills would be a very important part of everyone's education. Oh, I agree. I sort of think, you know, their future happiness is probably not going to depend on their ability to do maths. You know, it's no, uh, well, no. it's important. And I always say to the kids, you need to yeah. do your maths right, for your yeah. future career. Uh, yeah. I think their future happiness is going to come from their capacity to get along with people and build meaningful relationships that bring them happiness and joy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I, I enjoyed ancient history and, you know, reading about Julius Caesar, but I'm not sure it really helped me later in life. But there you go. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> now, Derek, unfortunately, with separation and divorce, sometimes it doesn't end well, as we know. Domestic violence is far too prevalent uh, in uh, Australian society and society generally these days. If someone is feeling unsafe, what can they do? Look, it, it is a, it's a huge you know, concern in our society, and, uh, and, it, and it's more often men who are the perpetrators of domestic violence, but there's also a pretty sizable percentage, 10 to 20%, where domestic violence is it goes the other way, and so it's a real concern in families. And uh, and I guess the first thing is that we really want to make sure that um, the people um, in those families are safe and that the children are safe. And uh, and so that means sometimes you know that we need to remove ourselves from a situation where people are at risk of you know serious harm physically or emotionally, um, you know, intellectually. You know, it's uh, it's an interesting conversation that Karen and I have, have had in the past about what it would be like. Uh, for instance, if I was violent in our marriage, you know, sure. or, uh, or our children. And, and one of the things Karen has often said, and I, I love this response from her, she sort of said, you know, like, if I was violent, she would leave. She would sort of say, right, I'd pack up the kids and I'd be out. Yep. And, mm. uh, and I'd go to, uh, and she was, I'd probably go to mum and dad's, you know, uh, her parents. But the thing that really gets me, and I think this is so beautiful in what she says, is she says that she would do that because she loves me. Sometimes we experience that as as rejection, but actually sometimes leaving someone uh, for even just for a period of time is actually loving for everyone. You know, Karen sort of says, you know, I realised that in that situation, I would realise that um, us being together in this way isn't helping me to be the kind of person that I want to be either in the relationship. And uh, and so it's about uh, creating some space so that people can be safe and uh, and then about a couple finding a way to be able to have a conversation that's going to affect real change and uh, and that if they come back together again, it's going to be a safe place. Their home is going to be a safe place. 
So it's uh, it is a really difficult decision, but uh, but often it's actually the most loving decision. Actually, to say I think I need to step away from this relationship and this home for the time being because you know we want what's best for everyone. Yeah, no, absolutely. That that's a it's a very good way of putting it. I mean, at the end of the day, no one no one should put up with violence of any kind. And absolutely, uh, you know, and we do hear of. Well, particularly women who stay uh, with a violent partner, but they do for a whole lot of reasons, and it's it's complicated, mm-hmm. uh, and no one should uh, judge them for it. But at the end of the day, you've got to keep yourself safe, and you've got to keep your children safe. Yeah, and it's about loving everyone involved. Uh, you know, that mm-hmm. it's not about rejection; it's about sort of saying, you know what, we want everyone to be able to live a, a full, full, meaningful, safe, healthy life, and uh, and us being together in this way is not achieving that. You know, and so uh, so we need to we need to step apart for a at least for a bit, to work out a different way of being. Sure. Now, Derek, would you recommend people who are experiencing difficulties uh, to shop around to look for a counsellor or a psychologist that suits them? I mean, these days there are plenty around. Definitely. Absolutely, I would recommend shopping around. Um, You know, there are uh, plenty of counsellors and psychologists out there and they are not all the same. Um, Just like, you know, that if you're getting a job done around your house, you know, a renovation or whatever, you'd get different quotes from different people and, and you wouldn't just be sizing up, you know, how much uh, it's going to cost. You'd be thinking, you no, know, do I trust this person? Do I think they've got a good track record of doing what they're doing? Um, are they going to be the right person? You know, I guess it's the same with a GP. If you know, if you've been to uh, a doctor and you didn't really feel that you were listened to or to get the right uh, sort of advice or support, you go to a different one. You know, when you're yeah. the next time that you're sick. And I think the same goes for counsellors and psychologists. Uh, sometimes I'll hear people say, "Oh, we tried counselling and it didn't work." Well, maybe it was just that particular counsellor that didn't work so much for you. And I would really recommend that couples and families find someone who is experienced with couple and family work. It's really quite different from working with just individuals. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the great thing about it is that, um, you know, when a counsellor or psychologist who's experienced is working with a, a family or a couple, well, they get to work with the very issue right there in the room, you know, and couples can really affect real change and. Uh, work on really challenging uh, issues and sometimes with a person that will help to facilitate that conversation in a way that's helpful instead of a way that sort of ends up gridlocked or resentful. An example would be just last week, actually, I had a, a beautiful couple and uh, and I taught them a new way of talking uh, um, about uh, about a particular issue. And just to, to see the move from a, a gridlocked place to a place of deep appreciation for where the other person was coming from it was one of the few times where i've seen just so many tears in uh, in one counseling room but it wasn't but tears of connection and reaching yeah. out and being heard and being understood and it you know it happened in a way that they that they struggled to work out how to do that in their own home and i thought well good on them for being here and and uh and finding it discovering a new way to talk about this and i thought you know they're going to go home and they are never going to talk about this issue in the same way again you know they've got no. a new way of talking about this and uh, and counsellors and psychologists who have experience with couples and families, they know how to support you to do that, you know, how to help you to have those conversations when you might not all be able to sort of work it out yourself. Yeah, and obviously this couple, they felt safe with you and uh, that's what it's all about, finding someone that you feel safe with. Absolutely, definitely, yep, because really you're inviting them to join with you as a couple for a time, a period of time to work through some difficult things. So you want to feel, if you're going to invite someone into your relationship to help you, you want it to be someone that you trust and feel that they're going to be the right person to help. Um, if couples recognise that their relationship isn't working that well, what um, marriage enrichment services are available to them? 
Look, there are lots of really great marriage enrichment services, and I always sort of suggest to couples, you know, um, I recommend couples every year should do at least one thing for their relationship that's going to um, help them to gain new understanding and insights and talk about difficult things that maybe they struggle to talk about. You know, I mean, I don't expect to have a relationship with my car that lasts more than four years, and yet every six months I get it serviced, you know, because I want it to keep running well. And and I think our marriage is the same, that, that if we really want it running the best that it can be, we should just seek out those things uh, even before things get tough or bad that are going to help us to continue to grow and, and, and our relationship is always changing. Who Karen and I were when we first got married is different when we first started having children and it's different again now. Yeah. But a few programs that I highly recommend. One yep. is Marriage Encounter. You can easily just Google it and find it online. Marriage yep. Encounter run programs all around Australia. Uh, and internationally, and uh, can really help couples to discover new ways of communicating, new ways of talking. Another one is Smart Loving. Um, it's coordinated out of Sydney, but uh, they run Smart Loving weekends uh, all, all around Australia as well. Marriage Encounter and Smart Loving are both weekend programs, so a couple would um, you know, go away or participate in a program over a weekend. And that's often a really great way to work in an intense way of just put everything else on hold for a little while, work and, and other demands, and just work on us. Yeah, both programs are quite different, and uh, but my experiences of both of them are excellent for couples. If couples are looking for something that's more one to one, two programs that are that are excellent. One is Prepare and Rich, uh, and Prepare and Rich is uh, it's a, a marriage enrichment program, and uh, and it's and you can probably access it. Uh, most people would be able to access it either through Catholic Care. Uh, or Anglicare or Relationships Australia. Almost all of those organisations would have someone who is trained in uh, in Prepare and Rich. And if they just rang up and said, look, we're wanting to do something for our relationship and we heard about this program called Prepare and Rich and, uh, and we'd like to, to do that as a couple, um, they'd be able to direct you, I'm certain, to the right people to speak to. And the other is Refocus. And, uh, and so maybe some couples, uh, if they're married in the Catholic Church who are listening to this, would have done a Focus program as part of their pre-marriage. There's also a program called Refocus, which any couple can do, um, and it just uh, it's a great for, program for couples who are you know four or five years down the track and are just wanting to maybe do something to gain new insight and to reconnect and talk about some things that are you know important to them and to highlight uh, areas that are strengths in their relationship that maybe they should appreciate and celebrate more, and also to highlight areas of growth uh, that you know they could work on and strengthen in their relationship. Yeah, and that's good. There are a few programs out there, so that, that's terrific for people to know. David, sorry, yeah. just while I think of it, one other program is uh, is Together in Harmony. Now, this is a program that only our agency runs, um, but uh, but we've moved it now to an online process as a result of you know changes in our society, um, and uh, and it's it's designed for couples in the first two years of okay. marriage. So if there's uh, couples who are listening who are wanting something, it's the very first two years of marriage. Um, you know, that might be a program and they're obviously welcome to, to contact us either through the Magellan podcast or, um, or contact our agency directly. Okay, no, that's terrific. Uh, just finally, Derek, recapping some of the main points that people can take away from today's focus session. Yeah, well, I guess the first thing is that all marriage and couple relationships are messy and uh, and they're challenging at times and uh, and they come with all sorts of different uh, kinds of stresses, and some of them are predictable, uh, but that doesn't make them any less stressful. And uh, and some of them are, you know, I guess unusual situations that couples face at different times of their relationship. And and uh, and all of these stresses are, in a way, to be expected. They are normal, even though they're very difficult. And 
people should uh, work towards you know talking to one another about the things that are going on that they're struggling with and and, uh, and working as a team to respond to those things and to know that they're not alone you know that there are plenty of psychologists counselors other couples who have been through some of the same challenges that they've been through who can shed some light and some wisdom and uh, and that actually we know more than ever before in history about how to support couple relationships so if they're struggling don't struggle alone seek out help and seek out wisdom that can make a difference and there are some great programs out there for couples who aren't necessarily struggling but just want to get stronger want to go deeper in their relationship and I, and I highly recommend them. Derek fantastic uh, excellent advice as usual uh, we'll talk soon thank you for your time thanks David